The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Hands our quarterback, um, at whatever position, whatever time. Um, Jared or Mac, you know, ready to, you know, challenge and compete. And we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. Cam, has Bill told you yet that you're starting the season opener? Gotta ask. And you know the answer to that question. I mean, y'all sitting up here asking silly questions to me, and I'm looking at y'all with the same thing. So I, I don't know what y'all want me to say. No, you know that. You know he hasn't said that. So for okay. you to just ask the question, you know, it is what it is. Oh, it is what it is. It was what it was. It was what it was. It was a stunner yesterday. So stunning that we actually corralled Chris back to his home studio right. for 30 minutes to try to process yep. minutes after it happened. The shot heard around the NFL world. The decision by Patriots coach Bill Belichick not only to go with Mac Jones as a rookie starting quarterback, the first first rounder the Patriots have drafted at quarterback since Drew Bledsoe right. in 1993. Yep. But Cam Newton's also gone from the Patriots. It was one of the more stunning moments of the year. It came on the busiest transactional day of the NFL calendar while all rosters got from 80 to 53. And we spent a lot of time talking about it yesterday. You can find the clips at PFT, and we're going to talk about it more today because, number one, it's still the biggest story in the NFL. Number two, we've had some time to digest it. We've had some time to think about it. We've had some time to talk to people about it. So that's what we're going to be doing. Good morning, Chris, before I move too far into the show. Don't worry. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. Thanks again again for the extra half hour yesterday. Um, That's part uh, of my job, uh, so don't worry. It's all right. You don't have to thank me. I mean, you know. You don't don't get paid extra for it, though, nor do I. Yeah. But but we needed the content. We needed the content. We needed to talk about it. It doesn't doesn't happen often that we... The, the bat signal goes out and we come back to the studio, but, but yesterday was the day that we had to do it. All right, so let's set this up because this all happened in a fairly compressed time frame yesterday morning, not long before the news came that Cam Newton was out in New England. Here's Bill Belichick. When he was asked to summarize in a press conference with media, Cam Newton's training camp and preseason in New England. Here's what Belichick said. Again, last year was you know totally different. So I feel like everybody's way ahead of where they were last year. Um, certainly, he started at a much higher point than what he did last year. So, yeah, definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, moving in the right direction, and the direction was right out the door, and that's what he said. People were giving me a hard time on Twitter. Because one of the members of the staff, while we were on air yesterday, saw the quote, wrote the story, 
posted it. Look, we weren't reporting that. He said it. That's Bill Belichick, the guy who decided, who presumably had already decided. I would think so. When he uttered the words. He didn't walk out of that press room and say, you know what, I'm just going to cut this guy. Right. That's not how Bill Belichick rolls. It's amazing to me. And and it is a reminder, and we're going to be talking more about this coming up in the program, Uh, you know, coaches don't tell the truth for all sorts of reasons. And there was one coach yesterday who had an accidental moment of candor that's gotten him in hot water. But there is a strategic reason to be untruthful. And Bill Belichick didn't tell any lies there. No, he didn't lie. He told, exactly right. He's moving in the right direction. Yep. Problem is. is, it's not a direction that we want on our team, Chris. Right. right. Exactly right. Yeah, he did not lie. I mean, you know, again, Bill is one of the most well-thought-out, smart people you'll ever see, ever be around. I mean, I never even got to be around him that much. But, you know, just be, be, the stories of from other coaches and everything like that. And just, of course, working there, being with Josh McDaniels in Denver, the, the detail, the thought, those type of things is, is you know, deeper there than, than any other place in the NFL. Um, I'm shocked. I mean, I'm shocked. But I guess the more time has gone by, I guess I'm less shocked a little bit. I mean, as I go through this, just because, hey, Mac Jones was awesome in the preseason. I mean, yes, he he outperformed Cam. There's no doubt. I mean, he did. I didn't think Bill Belichick would make him the starter week one. You know, I thought he'd be reluctant to throw a rookie starter out there against the Miami Dolphins and that defensive staff that knows New England and all those all those type of things, right? I just said it there again. But either way... Yes, you did. I did. But either way... We're going to have a counter. We're going to have a we counter should. We should at the start bottom it. of all the All those of the type screen. of things, everybody. we got to get me stop saying that, all right? That's like one of my crutch words. And it needs words. to have triple digits. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So, but w- within all that, you know, the one thing I know I've always told you about New England, and the one thing I learned even with Denver and Josh McDaniels, they're into framing their team around the quarterback. That is for sure. And Cam won. Hey, what other way is to say this, Mike? I mean, he messed it up. I don't, I don't know if he's cut or not on the team if we don't have the misunderstanding of the COVID protocols the last few weeks. So there's that. You and I, everybody who watches football knows that doesn't fly in New England. Accountability, availability, attention to detail, that's what they're all about. You know, that was a little bit of a, a misunderstanding or Cam just saying, the hell with it, I'm going to make up my own rules. So that certainly didn't do him any favors. And, you know, they drafted this Mac Jones, and I think he's just blown them away. I think that's the biggest thing, too. And I think they looked at it like, let's move forward with Mac Jones Cam, we're not sure if we can depend on him. He's not the kind of quarterback you want to be your backup necessarily. He's a guy that needs reps and needs to throw. I don't think he's the kind of guy you want to bring off the bench and you think he's going to be hitting on all cylinders throwing the football. And it just eliminates – it gives Mac the red carpet treatment to where if he does play bad or has a bad quarter – he doesn't have to have guys in the sidelines going, are they going to put Cam in? The fans going, are they going to put Cam in? The media, are they going to put Cam in? So I think the more and more time that's gone by here, uh, I, I certainly go, eh, you know, it's not as shocking really when you think about it and you think about New England's past and history and everything like that. And a coach explained to me a few years back that there are two ways that a quarterback leads. One He is a natural, magnetic, walk-through-the-door, Peyton Manning, sheriff type of a leader. Right. Two, he needs a little help from his team. And Mac Jones is still in that second category where he needs help from his team. And one of the ways he got help yesterday was his leadership abilities and skills, whatever they may be now, would have been diluted by the ongoing presence of of Cam Newton. If Cam Newton is still there, his influence in the locker room, the extent to which the other players like him, that potentially could have created a, wait for it, schism yeah. in the locker room. If there was any struggle, as you said, with Mac Jones, hey, why isn't Cam in there? Aren't we trying to win football games this year? What are we trying to do here? Cam Newton would be better against this opponent. We could use a mobile quarterback against this opponent. Why don't we have Cam out there against this opponent? So, Once you make the decision, and this is where I regret not peeling the onion far enough, but it would have sounded outlandish because they're not paying him very much. And you got to have somebody as your alternative 
viable alternative to a rookie quarterback who's still wet behind the ears. And I know there's a Simsism that goes with that. And right now they have one quarterback on the roster. Now, Hoyer will be back. This is part of the gamesmanship that Bill Belichick knows how to play because he's got 53 guys on the roster. If you're going to be put on short-term injured reserve, you have to make it to the 53-man roster. So you cut Brian Hoyer and you bring Hoyer back, and Hoyer's not going to go run and sign with someone else. He's a loyal member of the Patriot organization, so you can get away with that. So it will be Hoyer barring something even more stunning than what happened yesterday. But that's what you need to do in order to support your rookie quarterback. You've got to go all in. You can't go half in with Mac Jones. No. And 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 part of it may be just removing the temptation to say, hmm, hey, maybe against this opponent, Cam Newton would be better than Mac Jones. Well, maybe against that defense, based on what they're doing this year, maybe it would be better to throw him a little curveball and put Cam Newton out there. Now that can't happen. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It can't happen. And, you know, I, I, that leads me to a point that I know we talked about a little bit yesterday. And here's one where I'm like, I'm pissed I didn't maybe think of this more or at least bring up this aspect of the, the decision between Mac Jones and Cam Newton. You know, I was always of the, the thought of, well, Cam does some of these, you know, he's a threat in the running game and he's just going to enhance their unbelievable run blocking offense and scheme. And I thought that's why I think they'll keep Cam and maybe start him early in the year and just see how that formula goes. But like, my, my dad yesterday, he, he made a good point to me. He goes, hey, you know, we always think about what Cam brings to the table but and the plays that he can bring, but let's not forget, Mac's going to have a whole group of plays that Cam's not going to be very good at either. And, and I think we saw that, even the way they called the game in the preseason. I mean, Mac got to run the Tom Brady offense. Cam Newton didn't. There's, there's a reason for that. It's not like New England's not a put a round peg into a square hole type of team. They went, wait, Mac's really good in this empty shotgun stuff, and he can deliver the ball all the place. You know, Cam is not. We're going to be in more eye formation, play action pass, do that type of stuff that, that like, like that. But the, you, you see these highlights right here. I mean, Mac Jones, is he's wheeling and dealing for the most part. Shotgun, here's empty. Quick as hell decision. Every week he's gotten physically better. He looks quicker in the pocket. His arm has a little more pop. The decision-making's quicker. And back to the framing of the team, one thing, Mike, that I forgot to mention the first time around. This is the first time. In 2008, okay, Brady just gets hurt. The Kansas City Chiefs game. I am still on the... I'm trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me. I mean, I've always been trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me, yes. but now I'm figuring As out. have I for four years. Yes, right, right. It's, 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 it's a mystery for sure. But no, I'm really, I'm still recovering from my spleenectomy, right? The spleen injury, all those types, all those things. <laughs> Proprioception. Proprioception. So Brady gets hurt. First team that calls me is the New England Patriots. Calling my agent, Tom Condon's my agent really, at the time. They really were desperate. They were Holy desperate. Crap. Well, you know, <laughs> when they saw me healthy and I went up there and played in the game, and I, I think they liked me coming out in the draft, and, you know, yeah, of course there's history, and I'm a Sims, and maybe that helped me out a little bit too as far as in their eyes. I went up there to go for a personal workout and my physical, and I thought, man, I think I'm. they might sign me here. They're going to – they never really got that far. I got to New England. I waited in a waiting area forever. I mean, forever. And then all of a sudden they came in and they said, hey, Chris, we're really sorry. You know, we're not going to do this right now. And their reasoning was they didn't want to start, you know, a, a schism as far as like, here's Matt Castle. Now Chris Sims is hovering over him. And I know I'm nothing big, but at that time I at least had a little talent and been in a playoff game and things like that. They didn't want to deal with that. And that was the reason. And I really respected that. I was like, wow, that's really the right thing to do. And that just tells you the way they think, and I think maybe that's why you know we're in the situation we're in here right now with Mac Jones as the man. Pete said something to me that, frankly, I don't recall. Pete asked the question of whether or not they got upset because it leaked that you were there, and we know how they are about that kind of stuff, that they will say, hey, if this gets out any way, shape, or form, we're not going forward. Do you think that had anything to do with I it? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like Coach Belichick or Scott Pioli at the time would have said something like that to me. They, We did have a per – I certainly didn't leak it. I know that. So, I mean, maybe my agent did. I really – I have no idea. I, but I really have no idea. I don't think so. 
really, I think the reason was that. Why? Wait, wait, we got to go. This kid's pretty good. He's got talent. Let's not like throw him out there and he throws a few incompletions and everybody's going, oh, well, we got another guy who's played. Let's get him in the hell out of there, just like we're talking about here. So I, I don't believe that's the case, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe you never know. It's not like they tell the truth all the time, like you said. Well, and another issue, and this ventures a little bit too far down the rabbit hole, but there was real tension between Condon and Belichick back in that there time. There was. Because of the Ben Watson contract. You remember that? I do. I do. I, I remember. I remember flying up there. And I can't remember, somebody told me, and there was like, you know, you know, Belichick and Condon don't really get along. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just playing football. I mean, they'll figure that out. That's not a, that wasn't for me, you know, to, to worry about. But I, be, I believe them at what they said. And then especially seeing in Denver the way Josh McDaniels handled things. And then, of course, being in New England a little bit and how much they believe in that. Like, this is our guy. We're going to frame the team around him. There's, he's our leader, and we're going all in on that. And uh, I think that's where they are right now. And for those of you wondering what I'm referring to, real quick story, the Patriots back in those days would insist on a six-year contract for first-round draft picks. Ben Watson was a first-round draft pick. Condon said, I'm not doing a six-year contract. I'll do five. I'm not doing six. And it got to the point where Condon eventually quit the representation of Ben Watson over it because he was not going to put his name on a five-year contract. So that's where that... That's where that acrimony came from. All right, so let's spin it forward. It's going to be Tua, unless it isn't, versus Mac Jones, a couple of Alabama quarterbacks week one. And then beyond that, you got Tommy coming to town week four, and it's Mac Jones. Does the fact that they're going all in with the rookie change your belief as to what the Patriots can be slash will be this season? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I um I feel pretty good about the Patriots regardless of who the quarterback is. And if there's one team that, you know, knows how to manage a situation, a quarterback, put that quarterback in, you know, positions that he is comfortable in and then formulating pl plans around them, it's the New England Patriots. Listen, Tom Brady played there for 18 years. He couldn't run a bootleg. They didn't run a bootleg for 18 years cuz Tom Brady couldn't run them. I mean, he couldn't do it. They barely had three-step drop game. Like, quick throws, they didn't do it. Brady what didn't like taking three-step drops and getting the ball out of quick because he's not, like, fast twitch like that. So they never ran them for 18 years. They barely ever ran, like, shotgun quick slant or underneath the center three-step slant like you see Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers do. Bootlegs like you see all the other quarterbacks in football do. Never did it. So... I mean, they will do what they need to do to make Mac Jones feel comfortable and formulate around that, and that's where I, I don't, I don't worry about them. You know, does it lead to a maybe a few rookie moments? Okay, yes, probably, but at the same time, I think it's like a, a push because Cam probably would have gave you a few moments of like, why did you force that ball in there? Why did you hold the ball so long? And I think when you look at it that way, you just go, okay, yeah, he's a rookie, he's gonna make his mistake, but the other guy's gonna make mistakes too, so. Let's go with the rookie who has a bigger understanding, it looks like to me, of the of the totality of the offense, which is as is, is in, in-depth of the offense as you can find in the NFL. And I got to give Tom Curran, our colleague at NBC Sports Boston, credit because he was putting these issues, these questions about Cam's ability to run the offense the way they want on the radar screen weeks ago. From his work in the offseason to early training camp where Cam was taking too long to make the decision. And that's why in that first preseason game, it jumped out to me that Mac Jones had kind of a glide to yeah. how he went about making his drop, doing his reads, getting rid of the football. And Cam Newton always sent off a vibe to me that he was a little uncertain, he was a little jumpy, he was a little hesitant, he was a little, you know, it, he, he wasn't able to run the offense the way they see. I see, I was like, I mean, I know that's good mobility in the pocket, but there's just something about it that doesn't speak to the smoothness and the fluidity Whoa. of the way Mac Jones runs that offense like it's a robot out there. And I think that's what they're looking for. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Cam, you're it's not fluid and smooth have never been a part of Cam's game. And I think the other thing too, like if we can go back and show that whole series of clip, I, I think a, the, there's a there's a point here to be made about this. I mean, look at the plays Cam Newton's run running. It's two people out on a route. It's three people out on a route. Look, I mean it's 
you know, okay, yeah, the backs came out after they protected and there was nobody there, and then they got a two-man route. Look again, here we go, play-action pass. You know, okay, the back got out, but basically two receivers down the field, like a post route and a crossing route. Here again, same type of thing. You know, there's only so many ways you can design plays off of that formation and so many route patterns that you can really combine together there that to fool football teams. I mean, you'd have to be so much better than the teams you're playing to consistently play that way. And I think that's probably the other thing that I'm mad that I didn't maybe say that. You know, Rodney Harrison, I'll give him a lot of credit. These are some of the things he was saying Sunday after the game. You know, I don't know maybe if he had inside info or what, but he brought up that aspect of just about how the offense was way more diverse with Mac Jones, and that's why he thought they would go with Mac. And, uh, you know, he definitely was right about that. Well, and it really is fair to wonder, and, and this isn't directed at Rodney per se. You said it, not me. Yeah, it's okay. But the, the, look, some of the things that you will hear in media, from media who have direct and indirect connections to the team, some of those things are coming from the team sure. as the precursors to what ultimately happens. So keep that in mind, whether it's in-house media, whether it's the radio crew, whether it's the preseason TV crew, at some point, a guy like Belichick, who is smart enough to use everything at his advantage to, you know, get to where he wants to be, he may have said something to someone that trickles out and you, in hindsight, can say, hmm, hmm, ha that's, you know what, maybe we, sh maybe there were some clues hiding in plain sight as to where this was going to go. My, where it's going uh, from a... Go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say, like, in your heart of hearts, here's the one I really do struggle with a little bit, just that I've really thought about over the last 24 hours. If he doesn't have the COVID protocol misunderstanding, oh. do you think we're here at this point right here, right now? And, and this is going to be very relevant in our next segment as it relates to Urban Meyer's unfortunate moment of candor. The way this was all set up, by the NFL and the NFLPA. And and I, I don't agree with it because it, it put coaches and general managers in a tough spot. It's not a tough spot that's easy to get out of, but it is a tough spot. Number one, you can't make decisions based on vaccination status. Number two, they have created in an effort to persuade as many players as possible to get vaccinated, strong and real incentives to get rid of guys who aren't vaccinated by virtue of tested every day if you're not vaccinated yeah. if you're positive you're gone for 10 days close contact with someone who's infected you're gone for five days a misunderstanding with the COVID protocol because cam newton failed to get tested at the team facility every single day even though he knew he needed to be tested at the team facility every single day you get to a point if you're bill belichick where you ask yourself can i count on this guy can i trust this guy last year he didn't keep himself away from getting COVID, right. and that turned our season upside down. This year, he doesn't seem to understand the very clear and basic rules that apply to somebody who isn't vaccinated. I'm not going to tell the guy to get vaccinated, but I am going to hold him accountable for a different set of rules that applies to unvaccinated players. Positive test, gone 10 days. Close contact, gone five days. Don't get tested every day at the facility, gone five days. I'm not going to bed the night before Tom Brady comes back to town to play us worrying about whether or not Cam Newton's going to test positive, have a close contact, or for whatever reason fail to get tested the night before the game, and then we find out he can't play. I'm not doing that. And in a close case, and, you know, people keep asking this on social media. This is not complicated. This is not anything other than... Bill Belichick had an alternative to Cam Newton. Mike Zimmer doesn't have an alternative to Kirk Cousins. If he did, and if it didn't turn their salary cap upside down, Kirk Cousins would be gone. And one of the reasons he can dig in his heels in Minnesota and give Mike Zimmer the finger over the vaccination issue is because there is no alternative. Right. Bill Belichick had an alternative. And Bill Belichick's never going to say it. He can't say it. If he says it, the NFLPA is going to be up his butt. Sorry, London. Yeah. He's not going to say it. But anyone with half a brain is going to look at it and say, that's what happened. I mean, really, come that's on. Clearly any, what happened. Any good business in the world that has to have people at the office, that's what they're going to do. I don't know what else. Sorry. Sorry. That's what's going to happen. Oh, we want the business to be good. Oh, we have to be here. 
Like, oh, then we want the people that are supposed to be here to be Our here. Our quarterback. Right. Look, the most important Whatever player it is. on the team. Wall the Street, most important player on the team. I we know. can't count on him. And, and here's another thing just to add to what you're saying, Mike, because this is something you know, I, I, was, I was aware of in the draft process, and it just speaks to, again, to the trustability of Mac Jones. I don't know if that's a real word or not, I have we're a feeling. Go it. Chris Sims, <laughs> accidental scholar. I think the it search is. has already begun. Yeah, but Mac Jones, you know, first off, when he was at Alabama, you know, there there was a lot of haters on Mac Jones just because of the way he looked. I, I know this. I mean, he they they, they didn't want to, you know, but it, the equipment manager did him no favors. No, but yeah, but but, but but he had coaches there <laughs> who they were like, oh, we we can't play Mac Jones. We should play this guy. And I, from everything I know, and I know this from from people. That Nick Saban set everybody straight and was like, hey, I don't know what the hell you guys are looking at, but every day out here at practice, he's the best quarterback. He's going to play, get the hell used to it. And then Mac Jones finally, of course, gets to be the starter there. And here just tells you the, the maturation or how mature the young man is. I mean, we see it on the football field. We see it off the football field. But from what I was told, he basically last year during the football season, like he enclosed himself in his apartment with his girlfriend didn't see anybody. He wasn't going to let anything mess up his football season last year is what I'm getting to. It was like, I'm not going to see them. I'm not doing this. Nope. It's football. It's back home. I'm going to be here for every game and take advantage of the opportunity. And I'm sure Belichick knows that from Nick Saban too. And that's part of the reason or one of the reasons of many probably that he trusts him with the, the keys to the organization now. Remember that documentary where it was Belichick and Saban and Saban said to Belichick, you're the only one who calls me and asks me about my players. Yeah, I know. Nobody I know. else does. Right. Right? So, yeah, Belichick knows all that. Before he uses the first-round pick on Mac Jones, he's going to do the simplest of due diligence, which is talking to Nick Saban. Why should I take this guy? Tell me why I should take this guy. And Saban's going to tell him the truth, too, because Saban does not benefit his program if one of his guys ends up in a big spot and, as you would say, Sorry, London in advance, craps down his leg. Yeah, that doesn't help the Alabama Crimson Tide. Right. No, exactly right. I mean, you know, Saban is Saban is he's Belichick of the college coaches. I mean, they have the same thought process, the way they go about their business, and you know, Bill just more suited for the NFL, and Nick's more suited for for college football. But Mac Jones is suited for both. And, you know, I know I see all the things yesterday, like, you know, on social media, this guy got cut and he's not on our team. And it's, you know, Cam Newton with all these muscles popping out. And then there's that picture of Mac Jones with, you know, the cigar in his mouth and a little bit of a, you know, the belly. And it, yeah, it doesn't look good. Not a little yeah. bit. Not right. a little bit. Hey, well, haven't we learned? Don't judge books by its cover, everybody. I mean, damn, if we look at Tom Brady coming out of college, you wouldn't think he's the GOAT. I know that. So let's just like calm down and see how this goes, because on the field right now, you know, Mac Jones is very, very impressive. I, I, I'm, I'm still amazed by the situation. I didn't know if Bill and company would start him week one, but they are, and uh, I'm really excited to, to see how it goes. You did say he was the most NFL-ready coming out of the draft, and yeah. he was the fifth of the five first-rounders. And I appreciate the fact that somebody posted that photo of Mac Jones yesterday. It inspired me to eat an extra piece of pizza <laughs> last night. So thank you for whoever put that out there. The Patriots' odds have not changed for winning the division or winning the Super Bowl with this pivot to Mac Jones. However, and understandably, the Mac Jones Rookie of the Year odds have changed yeah, significantly right. from I believe plus 800 to plus 450 courtesy of our friends at the points bet sportsbook so yeah he's going to be playing one of the key ingredients to being rookie of the year you have to play and now Mac Jones will be playing and if he stays healthy and effective he'll be playing all year and he will not have a short leash because Brian Hoyer will be the backup and I'm surprised Brian Hoyer is still on the team after the brain fart from last year in the in the waning moments of the first half against Kansas City, where what did he, he tried to do the Chris oh. Webber call a timeout when they didn't have one yes. or something like that? Yes, they, it was they, just a big mess. It was a big mess. He had the fumble that Kansas City, I believe, returned for the touchdown. Right? I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a debacle. Now they do have Jared Sidham right on the pup. I do still think there's like belief in him up there that he could be a solid backup or a guy they could go to. Uh, but hey, clearly, clearly we know who the man is, and and he's shown us he's the man. Mac, he really, I mean, it's, it's unreal again, the way he handles himself and he just seems unaffected by 
anything out there, the outside noise, whatever it is. I mean, he really fits New England uh, like through and through, and uh, they got their guy for a long time, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for him to shut up all the haters, too, that you know didn't want to give him his credit during the draft process just because of the way he looked. Listen, I'm into looks. You know me. I'm all about butts and thighs and arms and muscles and all those type of things. But sometimes you got to block that crap Ding. out of your brain. Yeah, you got to block it out of your brain. And you just you got to evaluate it for what it is. Mac Jones is incredibly quick feet, incredible great feel in the pocket, like Brady that way. He can run better than people give him credit for. He'll get out of the pocket a few times this year, and people are going to go, oh, he is a little faster than I thought. And then, of course, the throwing, the anticipation, the location of the ball is Drew Brees and Tom Brady-ish. And I compared him to Drew Brees coming out in the draft. He was the most NFL-ready, and now we're going we're gonna to get to see it with the, the New England scheme behind him. It's a weird transformation when you put him in that Patriots uniform. I was stunned that first preseason game. That's not the Mac Jones I saw kind of clumping around the field with Alabama. And it's kind of like putting Michael Keaton in the Batman suit. That's a timely reference from 1989. But they put these actors in the superhero suit, and all of a sudden it's a different person. Yeah, It's like that's not – you know, I don't have a six-pack. That's six-packs from the suit. I don't right. know what the equipment right. manager did in New England. But Mac Jones looks like a very different guy than the guy who showed up in that photo that we saw yesterday on social media. All right, Cam Newton, uh, who, who looks the part of the superhero without the suit – he took the high road, and I got to give him credit for it. Please don't feel sorry for me. I'm good, he said on on Instagram. Uh, he's not going to complain. That doesn't serve him, nope, at all right. in this process. Although, the, the, yeah, God, the font, I, the, the the every let does every letter have to have an umlaut, an accent, a tilde? It's not every single letter. There there, there are a few. There are a few. They're hard to find. They're hard to find. They're hard to find. This is like Mad Libs trying to understand what this all says. But at the same time, he's taking the high road. And uh, the question becomes, where does he land, Chris? The first team we thought of was Washington. Before we analyze this any further, let's hear from the Washington football team head coach, Ron Rivera, on the possibility of adding Cam Newton from yesterday afternoon. It, it did pop up on our, on our radar. Um, but just so you know, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is our starting quarterback. Um, and, um, you know, so that's where we are. We, we have three guys we like, you know, that, that all, you know, came to camp, did a nice job for us, and we're going to go forward with those guys. Martin Mayhew, the GM of the team, sitting to the left of Rivera, laughed a little bit when Ron Rivera said that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter, not because he thinks it's funny that Fitzpatrick is the starter, but because Rivera had consistently refused to name the starting quarterback to the point where it was getting weird. Right, right. But it was time to go there yeah. when the Cam Newton question <laughs> came up. Hey, folks, no, no, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't, I don't know who to start. This isn't none of the above. Let's go get Cam Newton. It's, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And uh, hey, look, nine years together in Carolina. May have been enough for Cam, may have been enough for Ron Rivera, and it's time for people to move on, and it may be that simple. But that door is not going to be open, even though we both thought that would be the first natural place to at least wonder whether or not right. he would land. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, you know, we know they know, and Scott Turner, you know, son of Norv, who was the offensive coordinator at the end of Cam's time there in Carolina, where Cam, you know, again, before Cam hurt his shoulder, he was 6-2 and two and in the MVP conversation, and life's never been the same ever since. I mean, that, that's where we're at. It's, it's crazy how quickly it all turned. And then came the next year with the foot, and he didn't tell anybody and tried to play, and it's been an absolute disaster ever since. So, teams, I don't know. I don't know. Cam Newton's not the type of guy, as we've talked about a lot of times, that teams want as their backup quarterback. For, you know, again, I think he's a reps guy. He needs to he needs the reps, needs to throw. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that's just going to come off the bench and be on fire. The other thing, like we've always talked about too, you mentioned it already. He's the kind of guy that walks through the locker room and everybody's going to gravitate towards him. Million dollar smile, great way about him, charismatic as hell. And then of course he's going to do some things on the practice field where everyone's going to go, "Whoa, did you see that?" And that's going to start you know a little buzz in the locker room and all that. Washington is certainly is a team I thought about. Dallas with that situation, okay, maybe they're, they, I mean, they, they don't have anybody trustworthy, in my opinion, behind them. You know, the Colts. They have we, Cooper Rush. I know. They're going to Ben DiNucci and Derek Gilbert. I, I know. And then the Colts, you know, they're, but, but I think Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are too aware of 
screwing with Carson Wentz's head to do that. Yes. So I don't think that happens. You know, they traded draft picks and took a financial risk here for Carson Wentz, so they're not trying to screw that all up here by signing Cam Newton. And then here's the one team that makes a little sense to me. The Ravens? I mean, would the Ravens want Cam Newton as a backup quarterback? I mean, I, I mean, the Ravens view themselves as a Super Bowl team. They're not if Lamar Jackson goes down. You know, so, and and they, they just had their starting running back go down exactly, the other day. Right. And McSorley, they, they got rid of McSorley, right? I mean, so th that is a team that has popped up in my brain a little bit. Uh, and Hunley did do okay in the preseason. I understand that. But still, Cam Newton fits that scheme and everything they do there, too, where I could see that maybe being a possibility. Pittsburgh, as we discussed yesterday, sure. to me, is a place where, because Ben Roethlisberger is so entrenched, that that gravitational pull toward Cam Newton in the locker room won't upset the apple cart. That was one of the reasons why Mike Vick made sense as a backup, because I remember when Mike Vick got into that phase of his career, the problem was all of these guys in the locker room now grew up idolizing Mike Vick, and they want to play with Mike Vick. So you got to have an entrenched starter to keep it from ever becoming a thing. Chris, here's one thing I thought of. We didn't mention it yesterday, but as I was sitting here and as the gears were slowly grinding in my brain, the ultimate middle finger that a certain quarterback that you mentioned earlier, given how he looked at the scouting combine in February of 2000, like he had rolled out of bed with a raging prostate at the age of 55, and yes, I've been there. Uh, wouldn't that be the ultimate middle finger if if Tom Brady had Cam Newton as his backup quarterback and Tom Brady brought Cam with him on October 3 back to New England? Cam Newton is not going to be a threat to Tom Brady in no. that locker room. No. And, I, and I know that Bruce Arians has said – presumably with a straight face and a BAC below 0.3, that Blaine Gabbert is the most underrated player in the NFL. Please. <laughs> the idea of Cam Newton being the backup to Tom Brady just kind of hit me while we were discussing this. And it's the kind of thing where if it happens, we'll say, should have seen it coming. And wouldn't that be something? Remember last year when Leonard Fournette became available? Sure. We should have seen that they're going to, yeah, that let's go grab a great player. Hey, it's a great player. Let's go grab a, what if something happens to Tom Brady and he misses a couple of games? Chiefs, 2019, the year they won the Super Bowl. If they didn't have a good plan for those two or three games that Patrick Mahomes missed, that may be the difference between getting a bye back when they had two byes or, or having to go the hard way to get there. So, uh, I, I just, what I, you have to, to think that Tom Brady at least stopped and thought, boy, wouldn't that be great to get the guy that Bill threw overboard as my number two? Wouldn't that be something? Well, it would be something. And, you know, that group down there, like you said, they can certainly handle the cam personality and all that. I mean, they did Gronk and Antonio Brown last year, and it was, you know, somewhat of a circus that they contained all year long. I mean, they, they did a great job. I think ultimately, I mean, what's going to hurt Cam, and especially like with the Bucks, where we saw Brady in the preseason, and it looks like they want to open it up a little bit, you know, be in some of those empty sets that we just showed Mac Jones doing, and all those type of thing, all those type of things. Damn it, I said it again. Ding, boom, ding. The, the, but the, the. I think what's going to do Cam an injustice for some of these teams who feel like, man, we can really throw the full football and open up the field is you're just going to go, well, we can't open the field with Cam. I don't know. It's, it's, it's dicey. Last year he didn't throw the ball well, and New England didn't really want to put him in those, in those situations. And I think that's going to work against him too to where you know, it's going to have to be a certain style of play and I think a certain type of desperation for a team uh, to take Cam Newton. I don't think anybody's signing Cam Newton anytime soon. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think I it's think, gonna take I think a he's going to have to wait for somebody to get injured. Yeah, exactly he's going to have to wait right. for somebody to get injured. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same the same type of thing. Um, I'm with you there, Mike. We've gotten a suggestion from a reader, viewer, listener of a all those type of things drinking game, but the twist is you have to drink every time you do it, <laughs> which would make for a very interesting show. If NBC a wants to take, if they want to take the show. handcuffs off and hey, make this show fun. Hey, if Wait, they want to make this show still, fun. Don't they still 
drink wine on the third hour of the Today Show. Oh, they used to drink wine. You're right. They did. Yeah, yeah. Hoda and everybody. Yes, Jenna Bush. Kathy I think Lee. they did. And all those type of things. All those type all of right. things. <laughs> hey, let's do it. I'm down for it. I mean, London <laughs> might right. be in trouble with all the swear words that might come out. They might have to bleep every every word that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Before we go to break, you know, it's funny. Last night I was saying, we talked about Cam Newton for 30 minutes today. What the hell are we going to talk about tomorrow? And here it is, 40 minutes after the hour. Do we have a judge's rule? on whether or not trustability is a word, Pete Demolitis. Yes, all right, stand by. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Eventually, inevitably. I'm waiting for Pete to tell me. Okay. All right. There it is. Trustability. That's right. Bam. It is a word. Webster. Chris Sims. Yes. Accidental scholar. Let's take a break. Coaches lie all the time, but now a coach is in a little trouble for being a little too truthful. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Hashtag trustability. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Gold for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Can you share with us whether a vaccinated versus unvaccinated player had an impact on a roster decision? It's, everyone was considered. Uh, that was part of the uh, production. What's his, you know, let's, let's start talking about this. And then also, is he vaccinated or not? Uh, can I say that that was a decision maker? It was certainly in consideration. That's Urban Meyer from yesterday after the Hay was in the barn on the 53-man roster being given an opportunity to say whatever he wanted to say in response to the question. And he said it. He went there. He did the thing that we learned several months ago from Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, thou shalt not say out loud. He said the quiet thing out loud. And this is all a product of the NFL and the NFL Players Association creating an awkward spot for coaches and decision makers. You're not allowed per rule. And, and and I've seen all, you know, it's funny the all of the lawyers and doctors who who have social media accounts who know everything, who clearly have not followed the story and start chiming in. You, the ignorance is so obvious, all due respect. The oh, it's not a protected class if you aren't vaccinated. Well, it is as far as the NFL is concerned, because the league and the union agreed months ago that no player will be cut because of vaccination status. So when you create the rule that vaccination status shall not be a factor in making these decisions on who stays and who goes, and then you create multiple incentives for players to be vaccinated and disincentives for teams to keep guys who aren't, you definitely make an issue. Of course you're not going to want guys who aren't vaccinated, all things equal. A lot of guys who aren't vaccinated are star players. They can... They can get away with it. They're not going to be cut. But if it's close, you're gone if you're not vaccinated. The challenge is not coming out and saying it the way that Brandon Bean did. And everyone else has complied. Urban Meyer stepped in it. This isn't about 
telling the truth. Coaches lie all the time when it suits their broader strategic interests. We've talked about that for years. They lie because they have to. They lie because it's part of the game. The game is premised on successfully deceiving the opponent, the draw play, the zone blitz, the Statue of Liberty. You're always trying to trick somebody. You're trying to make them think you're doing something you're not going to do. This is a case where you got to understand the situation, and it's not that complicated. You just can't say it. You can do it, but you can't say it. And the NFLPA is not going to mess with you until you say it. When you say it, they have to do something about it. And they told me yesterday they're opening an investigation. There's nothing to investigate. He said it. He violated the rule by admitting that he acknowledged vaccination status in making his roster decisions, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm shocked. I'm just shocked that he said it. I mean, I just, you know, again, because... When you show the clip and watch it, right? I mean, he 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 thought about his answer there for a second. And you would think he would know just enough by, hey, following sports media, listening to the conversations about this topic, that this was like a no-no to go there. You know, that's where I'm, I'm shocked that he did it. You know, at the same time, you know, again, I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to force people either, but. You know, I, when you're running a business, and like we talked about a little earlier in the, the last segment, uh, I mean, businesses want to do well. They want to win games. I mean, and this is a huge detriment to winning games. It's an issue. I don't know what other way to say that. You know, I mean, there's plenty of companies in New York City or wherever. Got to be vaccinated if you're coming back to work. Tough. You want to work here? You want the paycheck? You know, we want to make business. We want to be better. Wall Street, Google, whatever. Get vaccinated. That's all there is to it. And, you know, of course, this was a part of the decisions. I don't know what some of these players are thinking out there. And, yeah, I'm sure there is one or two guys that were right on the edge. And they said, the hell with it. Let's go with a young guy or another guy that's maybe not as good or just as really close. But he's vaccinated and we'll know we'll be there and we'll go with it. I'm sure a ton of those decisions were made over the weekend. And here's the ultimate point. I've been accused heavily in the past 12 hours of being some sort of an unvaccinated player crusader, which means you've paid no attention to anything that I've said, tweeted, or written over the course of the last three months. But players have rights, and those rights have been given to them by the labor agreement that was negotiated by the League and the Union. And they have a right, as agreed by the League and the Union, to not have their vaccination status considered in making employment decisions. Just like Players have a right to not be disciplined for choosing not to stand for the national anthem. It's the same thing. Now, the problem is, given the political realities, the people who would support Colin Kaepernick generally, for the most part, are going to be the same people who would chastise the unvaccinated. But you can't have that both ways. No, you can't. Players either have rights or they don't have rights. I mean, there were people who lost their minds when I said, hey, if the NFL were to basically shun Cole Beasley because he's become a crusader for the anti-vaccine movement and they're going to do to him what they did to Colin Kaepernick. I said it would be as wrong if they did it to him as it was when they did it to Colin Kaepernick. People lost their minds. I thought I was comparing on the merits the anti-vaccine stance with Colin Kaepernick's effort to shed light on issues that, that speak directly to the experience of black Americans in this country when interacting with police. But it's the issue of what are your rights? You have the right to not stand for the anthem. You have the right to not be vaccinated as far as the NFL and the NFLPA are concerned. That's the point. And this one's an easy needle to thread. It's a big hole in the needle. You know, you're trying to thread. It's it's big enough to put a football through it. Just don't say it out loud. And look, is there a little cynicism in that reality? And and is it untruth? Just don't say it. Bill Belichick's never going to say it. And it's not lying if you never even address it. Somebody asks you the question and you answer something else. Or you say these are internal matters. You don't have to tell the lie. All you have to do is not say anything. Yeah, that's That's all he had to do. I know. That's where it's shocking because we know how... You know, I mean, he's a he's a really smart man. He really is. Case in point. Case yeah. in point. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Yesterday, Sean McVay was asked a specific question, and he said, absolutely not. It was not a consideration, no matter what. And I looked at it, and I said, yeah, right, Sean. Yeah. Sure, Jan. Right. But but you can do that. You can tell the lie if you want to, yeah. or you can just say nothing. 
the easiest way, the right way, is to just say nothing. We about we it. had. I mean, the thing that's like funny to me that just like you know occurred to me when all this kind of went down yesterday too is, you know, with the anthem thing too though, uh, we had owners implying what should be done, and like we we stand for the anthem here. I mean, what what did that mean? You know. Oh, I know. You know, hey, that's why. That's why. Hey, hey, look. That's why it was an issue for as long as it was. I know. I Chris, know. But and I that's know. why Colin Kaepernick ended up getting between five and ten million dollars for his collusion grievance from the NFL. Yeah. Because there was plenty of evidence out there. Okay. Not not nearly as clear as what Urban Meyer gave right. yesterday for anyone who may try to challenge the decision to be released by the Jaguars. But the reality is, and oh, I, the lightning bolt came for me July 22 when the NFL sent out the memo that made it abundantly clear that if you have an outbreak among unvaccinated players and staff and you can't play because of it, you will forfeit. That was the strongest incentive yet to get rid of your unvaccinated players if you can't otherwise persuade them to get vaccinated. So, yeah, look, maybe it doesn't matter if Urban Meyer says it. Yeah. Maybe it's it's already there, all the evidence you would need to show that your vaccine status was a factor in your release uh, you don't you don't need a coach's quote to pin it all together. Now, Chris, let's let's look at this from the perspective of Meyer because yeah. some will say this is another example of Meyer being in over his skis and not used to how things work in the NFL. They got in trouble for their aggressive workouts practices. during the offseason program, right, right. running practice like college. And I've heard that, you know, the whole thing is being run like college. And hey, if they win it'll be fine. If they lose, it won't be fine for the players. But the fact that he stopped and thought about it, you know, it could be that he he just he thinks it's stupid, and it is stupid. the whole The whole thing is stupid. The idea that the rule is you can't consider vaccination status, but the same entities that came up with the rule are creating incentives to get rid of the guys who aren't vaccinated. Yeah, it is stupid. Agreed. It's stupid. I know. And I, maybe that's why he did it to I, to show how stupid it is. I I mean I'm I'm with you there, Mike. I am. I mean I don't, I don't know what you know what what people expect. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it just goes back to my whole business comment there and everything, uh, you know, to do with that. Yeah, they're running a business. Lives are on the line. Jobs are on the line. You know, all of that stuff is is very important. Coaches, I mean, uh, other players, you got to think about all of that. Of course, that's an aspect. And, and again, it's it's no different throughout the rest of society as you look at it. So I, I just, uh, it is stupid. I'm with you there. It's stupid. Um, but I, I, you know, they agreed with it with the NFLPA. So now no one can say anything about it, even though we know it's a major factor. And some of those guys that are real close, you know, that are not superstars, uh, all, all of those players. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and of course it's part of the decision. And remember this, for the players who were released yesterday who aren't vaccinated, if they're going to try out for a new team, sign with a new team, they have to go there and wait five days to go through the testing protocol before they can enter the building. That's another reason to get vaccinated. And back to Cam Newton, the one point that I wanted to make and forgot to make, if Cam Newton wants to be ready to go with another team, if he wants to be the backup to Tom Brady, if he wants to go anywhere at this point, it will behoove him to get himself Yeah, you hear Bruce Arians. He's not playing that game. I'm setting my own rules. Uh, it's, it's it's dangerous down here in Florida. Tennessee's Tennessee's ass learned the hard way. I mean, I mean he, he said it. Yeah, he's making his own rules. So, uh, again, you're right. That's, that's not going to help him until he gets that done because people are going to look at that and go, what? We're going to bring him here because we got an injured quarterback and then we're not sure, you know, if he's – not going to go out to dinner and do crazy things or go work with his personal workout trainer because that's what it sounds like how he caught the COVID virus, you know, last year when he was in New England. Uh, yeah, that's that's not dependability or accountability, and that's not going to go over good with psycho NFL coaches who are all about that. I mean, that's what they're all about. I mean, most of their staffs are are or when they are hiring is considered, can I trust this guy? Is he going to say yes? I mean, is he going to, you know, try to challenge me in front of everybody? I mean, all the, is he going to be here on a day-to-day -day basis? All of those things get taken into account. And uh, that that's, that, that's just the reality of the situation right now. I think if they had to do it all over again, they would admit if we would apply sodium pentothal and or lie detector test that the union should have just agreed to make vaccines mandatory and done that months ago so guys could make the decision a long time ago instead 
for political reasons internally. The NFLPA did not make it mandatory, but agreed to so many incentives to do it that it basically is mandatory if you know what's good for you. And I think the union would prefer not to fight these fights on behalf of the unvaccinated. But when you have a situation like this where Myers says what he said yesterday, you ha- you can't stay silent if you're the union. I mean, because your players have rights that, that you have created for them. And the, the most important right in this context is you can't be cut based upon your vaccination status. I mean, do you really think they're going to be able to do anything to Urban Meyer? I mean, he just said it was taken into account. All things were taken into account. But you can't but you can, you can't take it into account. You can't. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. You can't take that's one of the things you can't take into account. So, uh the bottom line is they'll now look at each of the decisions. It'll be a hassle for the Jaguars. They'll have to say, well, well what, what, you know, which guys were vaccinated, which weren't. They're going to look at it that way. It's just, it's a hassle that no team wants to deal with when you're a week and a half away from your first game. And it was an unforced error. Although I will account for the possibility that it was a deliberate effort by Urban Meyer to demonstrate how stupid it is that on one hand you can't consider vaccination status. On the other hand, you've got multiple incentives to get rid of your unvaccinated players under the same rules yeah. that were created yeah. by the same entities that came up with the thou shalt not cut unvaccinated players mandate. All right, let's take a break. When we return, where do things stand with Deshaun Watson, who's on the 53-man roster in Houston? Do the Dolphins want him? Do they not want him? What have they said? Where's it going? We'll talk about all of that next on PFT Live. Look at this. Three former Alabama quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, slated to be week one starters in the National Football League. Jones with the Patriots, Hurts with the Eagles, and Tua with the Dolphins. And it's Tua versus Mac. Week one. All of a sudden. It's amazing. You know, Buffalo-Pittsburgh was the big 1 o'clock game that first Sunday of the season. It was so big, I wondered why is it even at 1 o'clock. Now Miami, New England, 1 o'clock. Another huge game to kick off the 2021 season. I've seen a version of that, too, with all three of them photoshopped into their NFL uniforms. So uh, it's uh, it's it's hey, it, it's it's another example of how Nick Saban has pivoted from defense to offense and how he's the Alabama program. Look at all the receivers. They did. Who would have ever dreamed that a defensive coach would go to a college program and and goose the offense the way that he has. But now it's not just receivers. It's quarterbacks, Chris, that Nick Saban is is sending to the yeah. NFL one after another. Well, Saban's ahead of the game. I mean, he, he's ahead of the game. I heard him make a comment last year. It's like, yeah, you, you know, you're just not going to win with defense all the time anymore. De- now you're going to win with defense. You just go, I hope we can make two or three stops, and our offense will just keep scoring. That, that's really what it's come down to. You know, the old adage, I, I'll, I'll say this too in the NFL, you know, the like defense wins championships. No, you can win championships with offense now. Sorry, that's over. That's that's all over. It, it doesn't matter. You know, we saw the we saw Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes do it with the way the rules are set up. How good some of these quarterbacks are and the receivers are right now. You can win championships with the offensive side of the ball. Right, but you still got to stand up and make a play yeah, like sure. Chris Jones did exactly. on multiple occasions yes. to allow the Chiefs the opportunity to erase the deficit. It's almost like tennis. You got to break serve a couple of a times. A couple of times. If you want to win the tennis match. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's where I think Kansas City's found like the fine balance where they the the right balance where they just go, "Wait, our offense is awesome." And then Hey, these games in the NFL, they're so damn close. It comes down to four or five plays a lot of the times, and it just comes down to who's got the Jimmies and the Joes who's going to make that play that, you know, you can't scheme for or whatever, and that's what Kansas City has. You know, yeah, they got a, a guy like Chris Jones and Honey Badger who, in those big moments, Frank Clark, they can make the play to go, oh, crap. You know, they held serve, to your point. And now Mahomes has got the ball again, and, you know, we're, we're a possession behind. Oh, crap. And we're, I think we're going to slowly start to see that more and more. I mean, with Josh Allen and the Bills, I mean, we saw them get to the AFC Championship game last year with, you know, an average defense, an average defense. It was below average the first half of the year. It really caught up at the end of the year. But I think that old storyline's done. One quarterback who did not. Enter the NFL via Alabama to Sean Watson. He was a Clemson guy with Dabo Swinney who said at one point before the draft, if you pass on to Sean Watson, it's like passing on Michael Jordan. Now the Texans hoping still to trade to Sean Watson. And 
the Dolphins still in the mix. As we said yesterday, until they come out and say absolutely positively not, we don't want him, they are in play. There's too much smoke for there not to be some sort of a fire burning at the bottom of it. I was told yesterday by a very good and reliable source, not to be confused with my usual crappy sources, sorry, London, Stephen Ross, the owner of the team, really wants Deshaun Watson. And there was a curious pushback by the Dolphins to local reporters. Our friend Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald tweeted, the Dolphins are pushing back on my report that Steve Ross really wants Deshaun Watson. The Dolphins just now told local reporters that Ross, quote, does not force football decisions, end quote, and, quote, believes in Tua, end quote. Says Jackson, I believe that to be true, but it doesn't make Florio's report wrong either. And look, there is a donut hole there. Stephen Ross doesn't force football decisions is not Stephen Ross doesn't care one way or the other. Stephen Ross doesn't want Deshaun Watson. No, he doesn't. Hey, he wants Watson. He's just not going to force it. Right. And the other point that I've made over and over again, unless you're Jerry Jones, the owner and GM of the Cowboys, if you're the owner of an NFL team, you don't have to force decisions. The people who are employed by you, if they want to remain employed by you, they will pick up the subtleties and the nuances exactly. when the boss makes it clear what the boss wants. Right. And in this case, they know, just like they knew last year he wanted Joe Burrow, he desperately wanted Joe Burrow. They tried to trade for Joe Burrow. He wanted Tua. They got Tua. Now he wants Watson. The question is are they going to get Watson yeah it's the question I don't think it's dead yet I mean they could say whatever they want I know I got my reliable sources too and I know there's still action behind the scenes you know as far as involving Deshaun Watson and and it's just it's not a dead subject you know of course hey you know the Dolphins are they're going to keep pushing forward right now you know they don't know if anything's going to get done they're going to support Tua I'm sure they like what they've seen from Tua throughout the preseason he played really good it sounds like he practiced really good to go along with that but he ain't Deshaun Watson you know Deshaun Watson again he's special he really is so uh, I don't know where this goes I think we're getting into the 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 time of the year where I mean I would think like as far as Miami's concerned like it's coming down to a deadline they're not this is not going to be something I think you're going to hear about in week three it's still going to be going on it's like it better get done here in the next few days or it's not going to get done but I I I know for sure that Houston is you know taking calls and and talking to some teams for sure here's the thing yeah and and this is the only thing that causes me to say Wait, it's not about getting Watson on board and getting Watson up to speed and having Watson help the Dolphins this year. Because I do think that Stephen Ross, who did not become a multi-billionaire because he's dumb, right. I think he's self-aware as it relates to the fate of his football team. He was very self-aware a couple of years ago when early in the year it felt like they were tanking. He understood you got to take your lump sometime in order to get better. With Deshaun Watson, this is not about propping the team up in a season where there are nine other extremely viable contenders and the game of musical chairs only has seven available seats. This is not going to be a year that the Dolphins are likely to climb to the top of the AFC if they even get to the playoffs. So if you can get Watson now, if you can get him for less than the mega package of picks that will be coming next year when you have seven eight nine teams jockeying for him and the Texans are in a position to maybe get more if they get lucky as it relates to the very serious off-field questions that are pending against Deshaun Watson as it relates to civil complaints for sexual misconduct criminal complaints for sexual misconduct we don't know if there'll be clarity in March if there is from a criminal standpoint they could get three ones and two twos or more if you've got a bunch of teams that are jostling to try to get Deshaun Watson. So if I'm Stephen Ross, I'm looking at the same way. I'm not doing this for 2021. Yes, right. I'm doing this for 2031 and every year in between. So, you know what? Hmm, you know, I've got resources available to me. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to find out what's going on with these cases. I'm going to make it an, a, an assessment. My organization is going to make an assessment of what they think the risk is. And maybe maybe we do give maybe we make them an offer they won't refuse. Not an offer they can't refuse, just an offer they won't refuse. Maybe we offer them two ones and maybe a third pick that can become a first rounder, depending upon how much he plays over the next couple of years. Something to entice them. Something to get them to stop and say, here's an answer to our problem, but a lot less than you'd give up in March. I so I don't think it's about 
getting him on board right and now. becoming a Super yeah. Bowl team now. Yeah. It's about having a team like the Patriots have been for the last 20 years, at least before Brady left, where you're a, a high-level contender every single year, not necessarily this year, if that makes any sense at all. No, no, it does. I think it's a valid point, and, and I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yes, it's the bigger picture. You're, I mean, you're right. I mean, I do view the Dolphins as a playoff-caliber football team. I do, right now. But Super Bowl team, of course, no. And you get to Sean Watson, you know, and we got a lot of young players and things going all in the right direction in Miami where, yeah, you get Watson there, you know, uh, okay, yeah, maybe uh, you know, things don't go the way you want this year, but you're a legit Super Bowl contender like you're saying for the next four or five years. And, hey, they got a lot of young talent. How many damn draft picks do you need? How many young guys do you need? At some point, you just got to go, hey, this is the guys we got. We can't just keep drafting young guys. Let's, let's, you know, let's trade away some of these picks we got to fill it in with some proven commodity veterans that kind of polish off the, the roster to make it like legit Super Bowl contender like you're saying. I would think that's part of their thought process too. Um, I don't know. I know. Next can you imagine? Can you imagine right. if, if – the Dolphins were the Rams right now with all those picks. The Ra the Ram and the Rams really wanted Deshaun Watson. They would give it up. They everything. Give it all. Give them the mascot. Give them everything to get Deshaun Watson. It just shows you how different the teams are. That the Dolphins value stockpiling the picks. Yeah, at some point you got to use the got every one of those picks is a lottery ticket. Yeah. If you only, can trade them in for a right. sure thing, you do it. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, you, you just you, you you can't always be like Oh, we're gonna, you know, mold young talent, mold young talent. At some point, you just gotta go. This is the talent we got. We need a few pieces here to to make some splash, or you know, really take the roster over the top. And let's do that. And I know, like next year, they don't have multiple first round picks next year, right? They have just the one one. They pick. have multiple next year. Do they have they two. Do have they multiple. have two first round picks next year. Because I thought maybe they traded away one from to Philadelphia when they moved back up after the San Francisco trading down. That's where I wasn't sure. Um, I think I'm right. But um, what I was going to ask about was the year after that, maybe they had one. I, I can't remember exactly, and maybe I should have came to the segment knowing those type of things. They do only have one next year. That's what I thought. Okay, you know, see, I have that brain sometimes. But 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 they have two in twenty twenty. That's where it is. It's two in twenty. I all right. That's where I was getting to. So you got some stuff to play with there. And how many years are we going to just continue to build the roster? You know. So uh, I I. Uh, I don't think this is dead. We know the rumors are real. There's real interest from the Miami Dolphins. This isn't like, you know, bull crap, sorry, Manchester, uh, talk or that we're trying to, you know, make, you know, fun here on TV. No, this is this is a real thing. And I do think there's some teams interested, of course, in, in Deshaun Watson, for real interested. And I still think conversations are going on behind the scenes. I know they are. It's sufficiently... It's yeah. sufficiently real that Brian Flores, the coach of the team, according to Jeff Darlington of ESPN.com, stood up in front of the team yesterday and said that Tua Tonga-Vailoa is our quarterback. And, okay, fine, he's our quarterback, and that's all subject to change. And if they decide that it's going to be Deshaun Watson, then they, we, we know how this goes. We, we saw what happened yesterday in New yeah, England. exactly right. Stop Lightning taking strikes, these guys at their words. And your, yeah, your quarterback's not your quarterback anymore. Right. Only believe them when they tell you that they took vaccination status into account when cutting players. That's when you can believe them. That is what the lawyers call a statement against interest. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to stay in Miami's division, and we're going to do over-unders on the projected AFC East win totals. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 